Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. I'm so excited for today's show because Lauren and I are welcoming back our good friend, Crystal Bonham. She actually also happens to be the Senior Advisor in Communications for the Heritage Foundation. Crystal, thanks for being here with us once again. Happy to be back. (laughs) Well, you know, I was thinking about the fact that we are already in the middle of August, which is insane. Um, And I realized that I think I did this last year and I was like, oh, man, I didn't do this this year. But it's never too late. We are beyond halfway through the year. So this is your August PSA to look back at your New Year's resolutions. This is the time of year where, like, (laughs) literally we have all forgotten that we ever did such a thing as make New Year's resolutions. Like, what? But there's still time. There's still time to pull those out, dust them off, think about, you know, you got – more than four months left in the year. Think about what you actually still really want to accomplish, those goals. So don't be discouraged. Do I don't know, Virginia, once football season starts, my, my, my year is just done. It's <laughs> like nothing else yeah. is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well be December. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Lauren, when, when for those of us that, you know, don't follow football quite as closely as you, when does the season officially kick off for, for college ball? So it's really Labor Day is when the big games start happening. But believe it or not, not this weekend, but next weekend, there are some Power 5 games that okay. are going to be happening. Uh, wow. you're, you're going? No? No, no, no. Oof. I'm not going. My first game I'm going Oof. to is September 9th. Okay. So. September 9th. Close enough. Yeah. And when does NFL kick off? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good American. I watch college football. <laughs> All right. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the PSA. But Lauren, we have a great show. Let us know what we have queued up. Up on today's Problematic Women, we are celebrating a week for education freedom. We tell you why it matters and how education choice programs could change the field of education forever. Plus, a teenager had an illegal abortion and then tried to destroy the evidence with her mother. We explain how the mainstream media reacted. Plus, there's a new social media app that is trying hard not to be like Instagram. We tell you what you need to know. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. Those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right. Let's get to it. Well, it is back to school time, and everybody knows that it's back to school time for one, because of all of the school supplies in stores, but also because of all of the back to school photos on Instagram that we're all <laughs> seeing. Lauren and Crystal, what were for you all when you were in school? What was the best part and what was the worst part about going back to school? Oof. <laughs> I mean, back to school shopping was always fun, right? I mean, I grew up in the era of Lisa Frank, mm-hmm. so like, what was yes. the coolest merch that you got to that bring hot, to school? Pink, neon, mm-hmm. unicorn, oh. all everything. Teddy bears, like whatever it. tacky yeah. thing you can think of, it was amazing. <gasps> the black and the neon too, mm-hmm. like just oof, it was a lot. Uh, 
So, I mean, like, the, the fun part of that, you yeah. know, I feel like everyone gets the jitters the night before you go back to school. You can't really sleep. You're trying mm-hmm. to pick out your outfit and all those things. The outfit is a big deal. Right? <laughs> I think the worst part was probably always my mom cutting my bangs. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That'll humble you. That'll yes. humble you. First True. day of school. <laughs> we always, the day before the first day of school, my mom would wake us up, like, the same time we had to wake up for school to get us on the schedule. But we would get donuts, so we always just look forward to that day nice. when we got donuts. So I love back-to-school supply shopping. Like yes. Even as an adult, sometimes I'm like, can I just go in September and buy some <laughs> notebooks, you know, some little Lisa Frank? It might be a nostalgic thing. Like, I'm still such a pen and paper person yeah. because I, I, I just like yeah. that tactile. You walk down that aisle and you're like, man, I want to buy that kitty folder. Like, it's just it's cute. <laughs> I, you know what I still really want? I really want one. Remember those zippy binders that you could put everything in? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to start walking around with one of those at the Heritage I'm Hotel. I'm pretty sure out. <laughs> I still have one of those buried somewhere. Oh it was it. a Winnie the Pooh one. It was pretty great. Wow. <laughs> yes. Well, because it is back to school time, we are celebrating here at the Heritage Foundation with something called a week of action. I like that. A week of action. Mm. We are partnering with other conservative organizations like the Independent Women's Forum for a week of action to advocate for education freedom. Education choice programs allow tax dollars to follow students to the education option best for them. So instead of a student using tax dollars and it just automatically going to a local public school, a family could use that money to send their child to a private school or to buy books for homeschooling. So education choice programs, they just make sense because they put that education power back in the hands of students and parents. And that means that kids that they're not restricted to just attend that public school in their own zip code. Could you imagine if other things were based on your zip code? Right. Like you could only go to the grocery store yeah. in your zip code. Restaurants in your zip code. <laughs> Uh, healthcare services in your zip code. <laughs> yeah, kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, when we think about education choice programs and we think about having freedom in school, there's so many barriers to these programs. So let's talk about those barriers. Why are there barriers? Why are there restrictions on where kids can go to school? Teachers unions, we can just end the program in there. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just not in the vested interest of the powers that be, right, to mm. to take power away from themselves yeah, uh, and put it back where it belongs, is, like you said, Virginia, with the parents. You know, the spirit of education freedom also is not just about choosing which educational option is best for your child, but it also kind of the root of it all is parents – had a behind the scenes look and an inside look into their kids' classrooms, into their school boards through the pandemic, like unprecedented, right? Like we were never able to, to have that level of access before. And parents saw a lot of things that were really disturbing, whether it's curriculum or how things are being handled in classrooms or at school board meetings or, or themselves being called domestic terrorists for asking questions, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, there's a lot that goes into this concept of education freedom. And really, the choice component is a tool to address a lot of those root causes. So if your school board is not respectful of you as a parent, choose another option, Mm -hmm. right? It's pretty simple. Well, and I think it's it's sort of a classic um, free market issue in some ways, because if if your local public school knows, okay, we will lose – tax dollars if we're not giving parents what they want, if we're not giving students a really good, strong, quality education, then there's that chance that, okay, that parent is going to pull their kid out and they're going to use that money uh, to send their child to a private school or to homeschool them. And I think that that 
added little bit of pressure, we will see public schools actually begin to improve and hopefully start to get some of this crazy woke curriculum out of the classroom because parents don't want it and students don't want it. Well, it's crazy to the monopoly that this big education field has on teachers and teachers a lot of times feel like they have to join the union, A, because they don't know they have a choice not to, but a lot of their insurance and their liability is tied into their union membership. But then what these teachers unions do is they take these public employees, they take a portion of their paycheck paycheck, every week, and then what they do is they give the money then to typically left-leaning politicians to then grow the education state. And it's a a cycle that Mm -hmm. education choice really threatens. And that's why teachers unions and all these leftist politicians are really afraid of what it can do. It can help students. It can lower costs. And it can just break up this monopoly. Mm -hmm. Two quick things on that. One, good news is that there are other options. There, mm. there are alternatives for teachers. The problem is, so there was a bill, this is kind of the second thing, caveat, uh, there was a bill in Florida, I think last legislative session, but the way that it works in Florida, at least, and, and this is by no means for everyone, for every school system, whatever, but the way it works in Florida is that the teachers' unions are paid directly from the school districts. So before that money mm. is even in the teachers' hands, it's removed and sent to the union on their behalf by their school district. So there was a a piece of legislation that didn't pass, but I think it's a novel concept, an interesting idea that would require the teachers to have to self-pay to to opt into being part of the union. Hmm. So instead of the school district just automatically withholding funds from their paycheck to pay the teachers' unions on their behalf, it would be up to the individual teachers to decide whether they wanted to be a part of the union or not. So again... (laughs) Choice. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Imagine that. But it, I thought that was a novel concept because that also kind of it, it empowers the teachers to then be a little bit more informed about mm-hmm. how the union is representing them or not representing them yeah. and their personal beliefs. Uh, and it empowers them to make maybe better decisions with their own dollars. Yeah. No, it does just make sense. And there are states and school districts where uh, teachers don't have that option, where for so long they didn't have that option to opt out. So it's great to see a state like Florida setting that example where, okay, yeah. Hopefully they can get it across the finish line. Yeah, exactly. Well, Well, and we do have to give um, the state of Arizona a pat on the back because they just recently became the first state to institute truly universal education savings accounts for every Arizona student. Um, So, I mean, if if other students, we're talking about setting examples, if, if other states could follow this path, I mean, this could be a huge game changer for students all over our country. And it just it just makes sense. Yeah, I love that about education savings accounts, because it's not even like you just go to your public school and you just get the one size fits all. Give parents money where they might want to put their child into a school that's half the day and then they can homeschool for the other half of the day or they could send their student to a private school but maybe the private school is less than what the public school would cost and they would have extra money for books mm-hmm. so we're, we're really leveling the playing field by taking these public schools that sometimes just spend money on a bloated administration for these CRT programs that and having speakers <laughs> like Ibram X. Kennedy come and speak to their teachers and we're allowing parents to level the p- playing field and choose the education option that is best for their child. So yeah. kudos to Doug Ducey. 
Really, though. Well, I mean, this is truly something that does affect all of us because we're talking about the education of the next generation. And we want them to be getting the best education possible. And who's going to know what that best education is more than the parent? So this is all about returning power back to the parents. Power to the people. Power to the people. <laughs> so for our uh, our week of action, be sure to check out uh, resources at the Heritage Foundation if you're interested in learning more. Some of our other great podcasts here at Heritage, like Heritage Explains, Doc- Dr. Kevin Roberts, are are talking about this issue because we're really talking about the future of our country here. So big deal. But all right, stay tuned because up next, we're going to share how the mainstream media responded to a girl having an illegal abortion. Um, And just a quick heads up for this segment, uh, we are going to be talking about a little bit of graphic information. So um, if you're listening with kids, you might want to skip ahead just like five or eight minutes. If you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and want to find other like-minded podcasts, then look no further than She Thinks. She Thinks is a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, host Beverly Hallberg is joined by policymakers and thought leaders to cut through the spin and bring you facts on the issues that matter most. From the economy and education to foreign policy and everything in between, she thinks has you covered. And if you can't wait for that next episode to drop, you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org or search for She Thinks Podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you've ever wondered about the media's stance on abortion, you can stop wondering. You may have heard about this story about a girl in Nebraska who aborted her baby illegally, and then her and her mother attempted to burn and bury the baby's body. The story is shocking and tragic, but what is almost as disturbing is how the media covered the story. So just to give a little bit of background on this Abortion is illegal in Nebraska after 20 weeks of pregnancy. This was true before Roe v. Wade was overturned. So abortion laws, they haven't changed in Nebraska. In August, it was reported that a Nebraska girl took abortion pills at home when she was 23 weeks pregnant to illegally end the life of her baby. Then the mom and her daughter used Facebook Messenger to discuss the fact uh, that she was going to take those pills and then they were going to get rid of the baby's body. They used the term burn the evidence. Uh, But our good friend, Mary Margaret Olhan, over at the Daily Wire, she pointed out that the mainstream media missed some key details in reporting this incident. Forbes headlined its story. Facebook gave Nebraska cops a teen's DM so they could prosecute her for having an abortion. NBC News headlined its story, Facebook turned over chat messages between mother and daughter, now charged over abortion. The Huffington Post headlined its story, Facebook gave cops data to prosecute Nebraska teenager who allegedly had an abortion. Or the cut headline read, mom and teen daughter accused of illegal abortion based on Facebook messages. CBS News wrote their story as Nebraska mother, teenager, face charges in teens' abortion after police obtain their Facebook DMs. So according to the mainstream media, Facebook and the police are the villains here for exposing the fact that a teenager had an illegal abortion and then she and her mom attempted to cover that abortion up by burning and burying the baby's body. So... 
you know, I could ask, are you all surprised? I think we would all say no. You know, this is more of what we see from mainstream media. Um, But I guess, you know, my question is, do you all think that we're going to see more of this kind of very one-sided narrative? Or do you think that maybe, maybe uh, the mainstream media might somewhere along the way learn their lesson? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's... It's exactly the narrative that they wanted it to be before, during, and after Roe v. Wade was overturned, mm-hmm. right? It's it's sad and honestly pathetic that the focus is less on this desperate act from a teenage girl and this just so such sad nature of, of having to burn her child. Like, mm-hmm. that's traumatizing, right? It's gone from... I mean, I don't know if that would have even been the headline beforehand. Who knows? We could speculate. But at a time when pregnancy crisis pregnancy centers are being firebombed and attacked, we just released a documentary on that, right? At a time when you're seeing that and you're a young teenage girl and you think that's your only option, I mean, to me, that is the crisis. Yeah. Like that is just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that the the media is willing to – just put these intentions on the cops that they weren't prosecuting. They weren't trying to go after this, these people for literally trying to dispose of evidence and, and burning and burying a baby that they were going after a woman for attempting to have an abortion. Most conservatives do not believe that we should prosecute women for having abortions because we see the women as a victim and Mm -hmm. we want to, come alongside these women and we we don't want to while we want to criminalize the act of abortion we don't want to make the woman into a a criminal Mm because we understand the the hardship that she's going through and the way that they're trying to throw away our our natural rights and and communication and the the police had to obtain warrants to get this and and they're trying to they just they don't care what they destroy Mm -hmm. in the wake of trying to protect abortion and, and trying to protect a woman's ability to kill an unborn baby. Well, and it's such fear-mongering, which we've seen over and over and over from the left on the abortion issue, that they want to spread this very false narrative that, you know, as women, we're, you know, no longer safe, our our private information, Mm -hmm. our data isn't safe. This situation would have played out, you know, could have played out the exact same a year ago. Roe v. Wade being overturned didn't change the situation in Nebraska. Abortion after 20 weeks after a baby is viable was illegal before. It's illegal now. Um, and yet they're spinning this own narrative to stir up people's emotions and make them think everything's changed now. They think it's a permission slip exactly. to just be grotesque and, and spin the news. Exactly. That's exactly what they think. And they're, they're willing to – you read most of these stories. They don't tell you what actually happened. They just tell you that a Nebraska teen had an abortion and the cops that are trying is to the go story. after yeah. yeah. That is not that the, the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're selectively leaving out pieces of information <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and they think they can get away with it. Are there any mainstream media outlets that you all, throughout all of the conversations with Roe v. Wade, abortion, that you all have said, you know what, they're doing a decent job of covering this issue Fairly. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Absolutely not. (laughs) 
Well, read the Daily Signal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, it is important. It is important to have these institutions like the Daily Signal, like the Daily Wire, like the Daily Caller, all the all the dailies. All the dailies. Um, but who who? It's okay that they say we're right of center as long as the information in their stories is correct, which is mm-hmm. it is. It's true, and th- because we need somebody who we know is going to stand up against this goliath that yeah. we have with the, the legacy media yeah. yeah we talk about it a lot too right i mean you, you saw the collaboration mm. across all these platforms mm. where it wasn't just one platform one outlet that decided this is how we're going to spin the story this is what we're going with it was every single one of them. of them yeah yeah really sad well for any of you listening out there if you have seen any fair coverage from mainstream media outlets uh dm me on the instagram account because We want to know if they're out there, (laughs) but stay tuned because up next, we're going to talk about a new social media platform that doesn't want to be considered a social media platform. As I approached the walkway from around the back of the building, they had taken um, crowbars to almost all of our windows, two of our doors, and just shattered all of the glass. That's the voice of Susan Campbell executive director of Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center. In the early hours after Roe v. Wade was overturned, vandals smashed windows and spray-painted threatening messages outside the center. I'm Virginia Allen. The Daily Signal has just released a documentary about what happened to the Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center. Plus, we take a deep dive into the violence and attacks against crisis pregnancy centers across the country. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Daily Signal's YouTube channel so you can watch the new documentary and never miss our new content. It's not another social network. That is the motto of a new social media app that is trying really hard to not be another social media app. It's called Be Real, and the whole concept behind the app is to show our unfiltered lives. So the way it works is that the app notifies you when it's time to post. You then have two minutes to post a picture, which captures uh, both uh, the photo like on your regular camera and on your selfie camera. Um, And then you can technically take that photo again, but you have to do it within that two-minute time frame. So it's not like you can go run to an exotic beach and take the best photo (laughs) possible of yourself. Um, And you're limited in the fact that you can't put filters on it or anything like that. It's all about being authentic. Um, And then you can't see your other friends' posts until you post for the day. And you can't like people's pictures. So it's not all about just getting that affirmation of likes and comments. So I did download it. Along with 20 million other 20 folks. million other people. Virginia, I know you downloaded too. And I will say, I felt so old. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get it. It wanted me to like turn on all these notifications. And my, my brain is always like, no notifications. <laughs> but then it's like, you can't do it without notifications. And then you're right. Like, you can't scroll on it and so i was just i was like what what even is this (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely um it's a unique app i'm not quite sure how i feel about it i'm gonna give it a try for about a week i was oh you're using it well i mean you get the notification you take a picture 
I did it yesterday, and you know, <laughs> one day down. But six I felt ago. <laughs> I felt because I didn't get the concept that like it takes the picture on both sides. On both sides. Oh, I don't like that. So like I had a nice <laughs> picture of my face, but then it was like literally my light switch was on the other oh, side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, this looks weird. Wow. How many light switches do you have? Are you showing off like the so number many, of light yeah, switches? You know, so many light switches. <laughs> so many light switches in my room. But yeah, no, Lauren. I think I saw that you were on it, and then my Gen Z cousins oh, are yeah. on it. <laughs> Like, well, okay. <laughs> Gen Z's would love that. I, well, I'm like, have they given you any feedback on it? Because I just feel like, first and foremost, for this to work, we have to operate under the impression that people want authentic well, in and, social media. And I yeah. just don't think they do. I think that that is a part of the problem. And I think that that might be why the app ultimately fails. Because that's kind of why we all use social media. I mean, it's terrible. But even the we authentic influence, like not even you can't use the word influencer and authentic in the same <laughs> thing. You just can't. It's like Doesn't not allowed. But like even people who show up authentically in their feed or only record their story once or something, like it's still curated. Yeah, it's not real life. None yeah. of it is. No, that's why we have social media to escape real life. Exactly. I mean, I'm super guilty of only posting when I'm on vacation. <laughs> like I'm doing something interesting. Let it's me a highlight post. reel. hundred percent. hundred percent. And part of it is I'm like, well, this is a convenient place to store these. So I can look back and actually, you know, remember the fun things I did this year or whatever. Uh, but I I do wonder if we will reach a point in time, if there will be a generation down the road that grows up with seeing their parents posting all the time and they are that anti-social media generation. And we will actually see social media die because, you know, it will be the cool thing to be anti-social media. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're already seeing that a little bit with Gen Z and with them, you know, wanting to use an app like this where they just kind of show. And two, Gen Z takes photos. When I was in college, you know, we were doing like the sorority squat with our arms out. <laughs> throw perfect. what you know. Yeah. Throw, and the camera had to be like nine feet in the air. <laughs> and Gen Z now takes these pictures of them like squatting. The camera's on the floor. Like my, on my brain, it's always like, oh, my God, I'm going to have like 19 chins in these photos. So I do think it's already happening. And, and maybe it is good to have this this correction. Yeah. I mean, I'll certainly be interested to see if this app has any staying power. Um, but I, I think the concept that you can't just hop on and scroll anytime you want might end up killing the app because that's what feeds social media is our mindless scrolling at you know, 2 yeah. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I think parents will probably be big fans of this that's if true. they do have the capability to actually like control their child's yeah. use of their self, their <laughs> It'll be that parent that's like, you can have social media. You For can two be minutes on a day. real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, mom! <laughs> This you know, sucks. <laughs> you know the, what is, though, funny about Instagram looking back is how when it started, I'm trying to scroll down the bottom of oh, my, God, my Instagram so feed. Bad. It literally is just like all like food posts food that I did. With the like, worst filters. With the worst filters. Like I'm Contrast showing Virginia like, a picture up. of like a sandwich on the beach. Like yeah. <laughs> There's like a homemade pina colada on the beach. <laughs> like Those look gross. These are cinnamon rolls. <laughs> with, like, and it's so We've funny. come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how like it, it goes from what we use it for to then now it's like this perfect like vacation. So I think too, even something like Be Real could change the way that we use hmm. Instagram and, and just make those photos seem a little more natural. Well, yeah. remember Instagram also, sorry not to like go off on a <laughs> rabbit hole here, but for Instagram was testing, is testing, not showing likes and things like that also. Yeah. I think they have I don't know, they're around. trying to figure it out. I think they, they recognize their their role in uh 
the mental health mm-hmm. issues yeah. that come along with comparison. Yeah. So. No, and we certainly, we, you know, we've talked about on this show all of the data that came out about Facebook and how, you know, depression rates and everything are so yeah. high. It's a drug. It's a drug. Yeah. It is. I mean, you get a dopamine hit off of it. It's yeah. a drug. We can call it a drug. And as much as I would like to say I am not at all addicted to that drug, <laughs> when you can't go, like, more than a week without getting on, it's, that's it, – you're addicted. The worst is when you get the, like – message from Apple on Sunday mornings is like your social media Screen went down time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> went, went down 2% from 8 hours and 4 minutes to 7 hours and 58 and you're just minutes like, yeah. how is that Great. possible yeah. the only thing that makes me feel better about that is it includes um, the time that you use for like direction apps mm. so you oh, know God. if you use Google Maps for <laughs> like, like 5 I'm hours totally driving all the time it's not it's not Instagram yeah. real I just don't know where I'm going <laughs> <laughs> a former colleague of mine used to joke with me he's like well yeah I mean it's it's gone down to eight hours from 10 because the rest of the time you're just on your computer. I was like, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Wow. <laughs> you're not wrong. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know. Are you a Be Real user, a Be Realer? I don't know. But a Be Realer. A Be Realer. Like Are that. you one of them kids on those social media apps? <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned because we will be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. But before we do, we have to say goodbye to our co-host, Crystal. So thank you so much for joining us. It's always Thanks fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll love fun. having you. We'll yeah. see you next time. <laughs> Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. Heritage Explains is a weekly podcast that breaks down all the policy issues we hear about in the news at a one-on-one level. Hosts Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher mix in news clips and music to tell a story, but also bring in heritage experts to help break down complex issues. Heritage Explains offers quick 10 to 15 minute explainers that bring you up to speed in an entertaining way. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We even put the full episode on YouTube. Now it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Tiffany Justice. Tiffany Justice is the co-founder of the group Moms for Liberty. They are a grassroots organization of moms who saw what's happening to our kids in the education system and vowed to take action. These are moms who want what is best for their kids and won't let the government get in their way. They are advocating for education choice programs and against woke ideology in our school systems. Yeah, Tiffany is, she's really such a powerhouse, such a mm. problematic woman. And I think, you know, this this is what it looks like to be a problematic woman. You, you see a problem and you say, you know what, I'm going to do something about mm. that. And during COVID, you know, she was one of many moms that saw everything that was happening to our education system and thought, this is not okay. Mm. I'm going to take action. I'm going to do something about it. And now she's rallied literally moms all over the country to be a voice of um, positive change in our school systems and to not just kowtow to the left and all the woke ideology. Yeah, they start chapters and they really just bring together groups of parents. And from there, the parents take it from there and they, they stand up for their students and they're able to take on school boards and teachers unions where, you know, if you are one person, you really 
it's hard to do that yourself. Yeah. You need resources. You need backing. You need support. And that's exactly what Moms for Liberty is. I, I do always think that the name is funny, Moms for Liberty, because it really is mostly women. But every once in a while, you'll see a dad in Moms for Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we we don't support people identifying as anything but the gender that they were born as. But uh, I think if you're a dad, you could be a Moms yeah. for Liberty. Dads are welcome, too. <laughs> well... That's a great place to leave it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. In the meantime, subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you right back here next week. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.